Good afternoon, church. Thank you for joining us here at Subi Church, um, braving the heat, the heat from the past few days, and coming to worship and to learn from our God. Um, as we come into worship, I wonder if you've heard of this phrase, the one constant in life is change. Has anyone heard that before? The one constant in life is change. No matter what season of life you're going through, no matter what age, no matter where you are, things always seem to change. Um, maybe you're changing jobs. Maybe you're moving from studying into working. Maybe your relationships have changed. Maybe you're, moving, you're getting married or you've moved from being a couple to having children. Maybe you're just realizing that your body is changing, that you can't quite um, move as fast as you used to. Your knees don't hold up as well as they used to. As a church, we are going through a season of change. We are going through a season of looking for a senior pastor. We're going through a season of uncertainty. And change does that. Change makes people uneasy. Change makes people unsure. But you know what? There's more than one thing that's constant in life. Our God who is sovereign over all. And Jesus, the head of the church, the head of this church, still sits on the throne. And as we come into a time of worship, Let's leave our uncertainty, our fears, our worries, our concerns behind just for a moment and fix our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let's look to Him. Let's adore Him. Let's glorify and worship Him. Can I invite you to stand as we sing together? When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth, that will bless your heart. Let's sing that again, church, when the music fades. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth, that will bless your heart. Let's bring you more than a song. I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to about you it's all about you Jesus I'm sorry Lord for the things I've made it when it's all about you it's all about you King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours, every single breath. So I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within, through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you, it's 
all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about I'm coming back, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. When it's all about you. It's all about church. Why don't you sing? I'm coming back. I'm coming back to It's all about you, Jesus. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. Let's sing that again. Jesus at the center. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be. It's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, there's nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Oh, Jesus, you're the center. And everything revolves around. Jesus, you, Jesus, be the center of my life, Jesus, be the center of my life, from beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus, for nothing else matters, and nothing in this world will do. But Jesus, you're the center, and everything revolves around you. Jesus, you for my heart. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center, it's all about you, yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center, it's all about you, yes, it's all about you. Jesus be the center of your church. Jesus be the center of your church. And every knee will bow, and every tongue 
shall confess you, Jesus. Jesus, oh Jesus, my Jesus, because nothing else matters, nothing in this world will do. Oh, Jesus, you're the center, and everything revolves around you, Jesus. Nothing else, but nothing else matters, nothing in this world will do. Oh, Jesus, you're the center. And everything revolves around you, Jesus, you. of our praise. On the altar of our praise, let there be no higher name. Jesus, Son of God, you lay down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice. Jesus, Son of God, you are Jesus. Son of God, you took our sin, you bore our shame, you rose to life, you defeated the grave. A love like this, the world has never You took our sin, you bore our shame, you rose to life, you defeated the grave. A love like this, the world has never known. So on the altar of our praise, let there be. Son of God, you laid down your perfect life, you are the sacrifice, Jesus, Son of God, on the altar, on the altar of our praise, let there be no higher name, Jesus, Son of God. Down your perfect life, you are the sacrifice, Jesus, Son of God. Oh, you are Jesus, Son of God. Let's lift them higher, be lifted higher than all you've overcome. Your name be louder than any other song there is no power 
that can come against your love. The cross was enough. The cross was enough. Be lifted higher than all you've overcome. Your name be louder than any other song. There is no power that can come against your love. The cross was enough. 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 On the altar of our praise, let there be no higher name. Jesus, Son of God, you lay down your perfect life. You are the sacrifice, Jesus, Son of God. You are Jesus, Son of God. You are you are Jesus, Son of God. Oh, Lord, be lifted higher in our praises, in our worship, in this church, and in our lives. Be lifted higher above all else. We pray and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome once again to Subi Church. Before you take your seat, why don't you turn to someone next to you as well? Give them a really warm handshake, a warm smile, and say, welcome to Subi Church. Good evening, church. It is time for Scripture at Subi. As, as part of Scripture at Subi, we memorize a Bible verse each month together as a church. So this is our fourth week doing this memory verse. Um, let's say it together. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Subi kids, thanks for joining us for that. You may now head upstairs to your classes. A very warm welcome to all of you today. My name is Mel and I'm one of the staff members here at Subi. In your seat or somewhere next to you, there should be a connect card. If you prefer to fill in an electronic one, um, the QR code should come up right there soon. Um, the Connect card is how you can put in your prayer requests, RSVP to events, and get in contact with us. So please take some time to fill one in. Offering. Offering, it, offering is an important part of our worship to God, and we give with joy and thanksgiving because of what He has done. Please join me now as we pray. Father, giver of all good things, Thank you for the greatest gift of all, Jesus. Help us to give generously in response to what you have given to us. And may the money that we give be used to further your kingdom and give hope to the lost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have some upcoming events. The first one is AGM and the election of elders, which will happen tomorrow after the 1045 service in the auditorium. This year's AGM, um, everyone is invited to attend, whether or not you are a member. And the voting of elders ends this weekend. So please remember to vote if you are a member of Subi Church. Evangelism training will be happening this Tuesday on the 28th of November at 7.30 p.m. in the Church Cafe. And it will be led by Susan Richards and John McKenzie. Come and get a wide range of tips, ideas, and strategies on how to do outreach, and everyone is welcome. So if you consider yourself an entry-level evangelist, or if you are very confident, please come and learn together with the rest of the church. And we hope this will help equip you to evangelize to people during this, um, in the lead up to Christmas. And it's a great opportunity for all of us as people who are more, as more people are open during this time. And they will also be providing gospel tracks, beautiful gold-edged gospels of John, and invites to the special Christmas services this year. And we have the Art Seeds Christmas Party that will be happening on the Friday 1st of December from 10 a.m. to 12 noon in the Church Cafe. 
Art Seeds is our monthly creative arts outreach ministry, and it's having its Christmas party this coming Friday. So please join them in celebrating the birth of Christ with carols, games, and a delicious Christmas brunch. And everyone is welcome. It's now time for us to come before the Lord in prayer. And as we prepare our hearts to hear from God's word, please join me as I lead us. Heavenly Father, you are the Alpha and Omega, the author of history and almighty God. You alone are sovereign and worthy of our praise. Through your goodness and faithfulness, you have worked through history to accomplish your plan of redemption, saving your people and drawing us to yourself. While we were still sinners, you sent your son to die on the cross for our salvation. As we draw close to Christmas and start a new sermon series looking at Jesus' earthly ministry, we thank you for Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the one who came down to earth as Emmanuel, God with us, and had authority over nature, over the spiritual realm, over disease, sin, and death. And yet Jesus emptied himself. He came to serve, not to be served, but to suffer and die for our sins. Thank you for the love and grace you have given us through Christ our Savior and King, the perfect high priest who intercedes for us. Lord, we confess that we have not honored, worshipped, or obeyed you as we should have. We have not lived as we have been called. Through this, we are reminded of our need for your Holy Spirit to work in us, changing us as only you can, Lord. Please continue to transform us and renew us through your Spirit, that we may worship you earnestly and love you deeply in spirit and in truth. Help us to continue to seek you and turn to you. Father, we commit this weekend's AGM to you. Thank you for the time to come together as a church. Please be with us as we reflect on the past year. We pray that we will be able to talk openly about the matters on our hearts and minds and also celebrate your goodness to our church. Lord, help us to be a church that proclaims your gospel and builds up mature disciples that love and glorify you. We pray that you would always remain at the center of all we do. Lord, please be with Pastor David as he preaches today. Help us to remove any distractions preventing us from listening to your word. We pray that our hearts would be focused on you and that your spirit would give us understanding. May we treasure and put into practice what we learn through your word. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Our Bible reading today about when Jesus restores a demon-possessed man is taken from Mark 5, verses 1 to 20. And if you are able, I invite you to stand with me as we read from God's word. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. 
The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in all in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. You may take your seat. Thank you, Rose. G'day, church. It's great to see you. For those watching online, special warm welcome to you. Glad you could join us. And if you are new or just visiting, a special warm welcome to you. Now, we live in a culture here in Australia that says people are basically good, right? But last month, when the extremist group Hamas broke across the border into Israel and committed unspeakable, unthinkable atrocities, uh, which you would have seen on the news, the world had to come to terms once again with the reality of evil. Israel then retaliated in vengefully uh, with airstrikes and a ground offensive in Gaza and have indiscriminately killed over 13,000 innocent Palestinian civilians. Evil on both sides. And as we heard in our Bible reading, Evil has been waging war in that part of the world for millennia. And behind evil is a very real spiritual realm. It is the realm of Satan and evil angels. Now, to modern sensibilities, the phenomenon of demons and fallen angels is a figment of the imagination. But not so, according to God's word. The event that we're looking at today is the most in-depth depiction of a man under the control of evil spirits that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. And in the incident immediately prior to this one in Mark's Gospel, if you remember, Jesus is on a boat with his disciples in a storm and the waves are monstering the boat, and the boat is getting tossed to and fro, side to side by the wind. The disciples think they're going to die. Jesus says, stop, and the wind and the waves stop. And we see that he has authority over the natural world. Now he's face to face with the supernatural world. And if he is the true Messiah, if he is the Lord from heaven, come down, then he must be able to conquer Satan and his demons if he's going to bring in the everlasting kingdom. So how does Jesus deal with evil? And what does this incident tell us about what will ultimately happen to evil in our world? Well, we're going to take a look together. We're in Mark chapter 5. Uh, I was part of an Israel trip that was supposed to have left in October, with many from the church, but a week before we were to leave, war broke out and the, the trip was rightfully cancelled. I had planned to come back and preach a series called The Power and Goodness of Jesus and was hoping to be able to had, add the extra touch of having walked where Jesus walked. But even though I couldn't be there, I'm still going to preach 
this series. It's called The Power and the Goodness of Jesus. And that's what we're going to be looking at as we're leading up to Christmas. In our passage today, as you would have heard as it was read, we saw two displays of devastating power, didn't we? But they're not equal. They're devastating, but they're not equal. So firstly, we saw the devastating, destructive power of evil. That's the first power that we see. Have a look with me in chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, uh, which is on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee, Lake Galilee, right? On the eastern shore, which is pagan country. It's where the Gentiles live. And Jesus has withdrawn here to avoid the crowds that swarm around him because of the miracles that he is performing. But there's going to be no rest for him as long as the hosts of darkness oppose him. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Now the impure spirit, if you, uh, you would have noticed as we had read, in verse 12, the impure spirit's called a demon, a fallen angel, a malevolent or evil spirit that brings destruction, that brings devastation. The Gentiles in the pagan world, right, outside of Israel, in the pagan world, worship false gods and sacrifice to these false gods. And these false gods were in reality spiritual entities, demonic spirits who led people away from worshipping the true God under the guise that they were real gods. And demons had significant effects on their worshippers, including what the Bible describes here as possession. The Bible doesn't elaborate on... Uh, what that means, but the affected person is extraordinarily oppressed by the demon as the demon somehow occupies their being. Uh, and the phenomenon of demon possession could be found in virtually every pagan culture in the ancient world, in virtually every region and people group. Uh, in what is now modern Iraq, we have records of people being possessed by the goddess Inanna. In Greece, people were possessed by the god Dionysus. And the closer one was to the false deities, such as the priests and the priestesses who served these false gods in the temples and shrines, the more vulnerable they were to possession. The most famous seer of the pagan world was the high priestess of the Temple of Apollo. And uh, she was called the Oracle. Right? And that's where they get the name for the movie The Matrix, if you know The Matrix. And this woman was consulted about important decisions from nations across the whole world. They would come and ask her. But before uttering her prophecies, she would fall into a frenzied delirium violently shaking, shrieking, moaning, and speaking unintelligible words. But the dominion of the demons were not confined to those in the temples and shrines. Their dominion permeated entire cultures and entire civilizations. False deities were worshipped in homes, in the marketplace, in uh, the workplace, and so possession could manifest in anyone. And here it is in our story manifesting in this man. And this, these spirits are possessing him and oppressing him. We're told that the man lived in the tombs. He wasn't just visiting a friend who had passed away and leaving flowers. No, he actually lived in the tombs. Uh, you can go today, if your trip is not cancelled, you can go today to a town called Kersey where it's believed this incident actually occurred. And you can see the tomb there built into the side of the hill. This man uh, was more comfortable with the dead than he was with the living. And the dead were more comfortable with him 
than the living were as well, which is why the living put him out right in the tombs away from them. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. This man lived more like a wild animal, didn't he, than a human. He has unnatural levels of power, so he can break the strongest constraints, which presumably were placed on him by the townspeople for their own safety. Now, the Gospel of Matthew says that no one could go past that, that region, no one could pass that way because this man was so violent. The demons are torturing this man and, and all those who come in contact with him. He is both the victim of torment and he is the means of torment to others. Like their leader, Satan, whose goal is to destroy and murder anyone who comes in his path, these demons destroy the lives of those they possess. A demon wants a body like a terrorist wants a bomb to cause the most amount of misery that they can. This man is completely subsumed by demonic presence. No rest, no sleep, no relief. So subdued that his own personality is never seen. He, he's merely a vehicle for demonic expression. They've totally taken this man over. He's tormented to the point where he's what? He's tormenting himself. He's, he's cutting himself. He's hurting himself. This is a living hell. This is a taste of hell. This man is living in hell. This is a taste of hell. It's a living hell for him. But there's another power. There's another power which we read about. And that is the divine delivering power of Jesus. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran. Now the man sees the boats getting tied up, right? And he realizes he's got some new victims, people who are not from this neighborhood, people who don't know that you shouldn't come around where he is. And he starts running towards him. And if his track record is anything to go by, his aim is to attack, to maim, and to destroy whoever is coming before him. But when he sees who it is, what does he do? He falls on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? The demons see somebody they have known since before the creation of the world. They know about Jesus' pre-existence before he came in the flesh. They recognize Jesus as the son of the Most High God. The title Most High God is a title given to God in the Old Testament, meaning higher than all others. The demons recognize Jesus as Lord over all powers and rulers. Now remember, when Jesus miraculously stopped the storm, the disciples looked at each other, remember, and they said, who is this man? Who is this man that just did that? Well, the demons already know the answer to that question. He is the son of the Most High God. They know. The demons know Jesus has the power to control them, to sentence them, to incarcerate them for all eternity. And so the demon screams in terror. It blows his cover. His fear overwhelms his ability to hide. And he falls on his knees before Jesus in submission. He is subdued, not by chains, but by sheer terror, coming into the presence of the Son of the Most High God. The man goes down because the demons go down. No one else could restrain this man, could control this man, but the presence of the Lord Jesus cuts him to his knees. In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. The demons had tormented the man, hadn't they? Without mercy, and yet here they are wanting mercy 
from Jesus. Fascinating to me is the demon asks for mercy in whose name? In God's name. The demon is asking for mercy in God's name. The demon, he knows that God is merciful. He's seen all what God has done in the Old Testament. And he's saying, please show us the same mercy. But a mystery which, we're not, which is not revealed to us in the scriptures, we're told that Jesus doesn't die in the place of fallen angels. He dies in the place of fallen humans, us who are made in the image of God. And so there is no mercy for these fallen angels. There is no way they can be redeemed. They face eternal torment. Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Now, a legion was a Roman military term for a detachment of soldiers of up to, do you know how many? 6,000 soldiers is a legion of soldiers. This, may, this, this man is possessed by multiple, multiple, sounds like thousands of demons. I didn't even know that was possible. That's why he's so oppressed by these demons. Why does Jesus demand a name? Well, it demonstrates Jesus' authority over the demon to be forced to give up his name. He has no, he has, has no option but to give up his name. And I think it demonstrates the might of Jesus' power because it's one thing to cast one demon out of a man, right? But to, ca to cast thousands of demons out of a man, now that is unparalleled power. Matthew tells us in his gospel that the demons say this, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? So the demons know that there's a judgment day coming where they're going to be punished and they're, they're terrified that Jesus has come early. And they think, have you come to punish us before the judgment day? In Luke's gospel, they're recorded to say this, to have said this, they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. The abyss is a place of imprisonment for demons before Judgment Day, and it's described in Revelation 9. The demons know that Jesus has absolute power to cast them out wherever he chooses. Right? The demons are not equal partners at the negotiating table. Well, we read, verse 11, A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. Now, why did the demons think it was a good idea to go into a herd of pigs? I don't know. All right? I've got no insight into why demons want to do anything. Right? Why they want to do those types of things. I don't, I don't know any demons well enough to know their exact motivations. It appears that they, they think that this will allow them to avoid the abyss this place of imprisonment before Judgment Day. We're told in Matthew, Jesus says one word, go, and the demons leave this man and go into the pigs. Right? Absolute authority, just one word, go, and they leave the man. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. The de demons enter the pig, and what, ha what, what happens? The pigs become chaotic and self-destructive just like the possessed man had been. Uh, it seems the demons didn't realise that their new habitation in the pigs would cause them to drown. Uh, because if they had, they wouldn't have asked to go into the pigs. Now, we're not told exactly what happened to the demons after the pigs drowned, but at the very least, the story suggests that they were disabled from causing more harm. Now, some people have asked, now, why would Jesus let the pigs be destroyed? Right? It's a lot of pigs, innocent animals. Why did you know, Jesus, the RSPCA, not happy with that? Why? Why did he allow that to happen? Well, I think when the demons hit the pigs, it was dramatic proof that the, the, uh, the demons had left the man and that Jesus had healed him. Dramatic proof that Jesus had done it. 
And I think also it demonstrates the value, right, of human life. Because to Jesus, one human life is infinitely more valuable than a herd of animals, a herd of pigs. doesn't matter how much they are worth economically. Well, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. What? The madman is better. The guy that we couldn't chain up, we couldn't restrain. How is that even possible? How is that even possible? When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. Now, the townspeople were afraid of the demon-possessed man, right? Because of what he might do to them. But now he's healed, they're even more afraid. It's like when Jesus calmed the storm. The disciples were afraid when they're in the storm. Then when Jesus stopped the storm, they were even more afraid. Because they're like, who is this man? Who is this man that can do this? They know they're standing next to someone with unparalleled power. Supernatural power, greater than anything they'd ever experienced. Power far greater than the multiple, multiple demons that were in this man. And so they are rightly frightened. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Now, if you had taken a survey and you had asked the people of the region before Jesus turned up, which of your neighbours would you prefer to, have, to leave the area? Who would they have said? The demon-possessed man. But now, what would they answer? Jesus. They tolerated the possessed man in their midst, but they don't tolerate Jesus. They ask him to leave. They beg the devil defeater to leave their midst. Now, why would they do that? We're not told, but I think we can infer they may have mistaken Jesus for a dangerous magician, right? someone with bad news being around, uh, but no magician could do something on the scale of what Jesus just did. Perhaps they saw him as a rival to their gods that they worshipped. And if Jesus could do this in 10 minutes, what could he do if he stayed any length of time? But I think most probably the loss of the pigs exposed the real values of the people. The loss of the pigs was an economic loss for those involved, and it was a hefty one, 2,000 pigs. And it seems that economic concerns were more important to these people than the Son of God. Right? They preferred swine to the Saviour. Jesus demands a decision. Love him, live for him, or love your wealth, love your prosperity. They chose to love their wealth and their prosperity. Now the townspeople's response indicates that they were oppressed by the evil one as well, weren't they? I mean, they weren't possessed like the madman, but they were certainly blinded by Satan to the truth of who Jesus was. Satan blinds, uh, blinds the eyes of all unbelievers, the Bible says. It's only the Holy Spirit that can take the scales from their eyes. And that's why we always pray for our loved ones, for those who don't know the Lord, because it's the Lord who takes away the blindness. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but he said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. The villagers say to Jesus, Go away from here. But the healed man says, I will go with you wherever you go. He didn't want to live another day without Christ, did he? Because he knew who Jesus was. He knew Jesus was powerful. He knew Jesus was good. He'd experienced that for himself. Now, perhaps the man was fearful that the demons would return. Uh, but Jesus, I think, takes that fear from him, effectively saying to him, look, I've healed you. You will never be possessed by demons again. You can go. That's true for all Christians. Christians cannot be possessed by demons. For Christians are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will not cohabit with demons. 
Christians can be lied to by Satan. They can be deceived. They can be accused. They can be tempted. But we can't be possessed by demons. So the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Decapolis is a region, which I would have liked to have gone to but couldn't. It's a, it's a group of 10 cities, Deca, 10, to the east of the Sea of Galilee. And again, this is pagan country. Now, a few months later, a few months later and two chapters later, Jesus visits this region again. A and you might not guess what happened. He returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. There are some people... There, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. Hang on, why would they bring someone to Jesus? The last time he was there, they told him to go away, didn't they? What's happened in the meantime? I take it that that healed man's, his witness and his testimony that Jesus is powerful and Jesus is good has gone out into that region. He's talked about it. He's told people. And so when Jesus came back a few months later, they bring their sick to Jesus. So in Genesis 3, if you remember, it was promised that the Messiah would crush the serpent's head. Remember? And so whoever the Messiah is, he has to wield mighty power over Satan. And in this, in this event, we see it on full display, don't we? Jesus is displaying his ability to bring to nothing the works of the devil. They're not equal powers. And the rescue of this demon-possessed man points to the great rescue of Jesus on, his, on the cross and through his resurrection, where he crushes Satan's head and he defeats Satan and as the gospel as the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus goes out from Jerusalem and crosses over into the all the other nations well this crossing would change the course of world history because the gospel entered the lands of these false gods behind whom were demons and in every place where the gospel was received the false gods and spirits were driven out. Their shrines were abandoned. Their temples fell into ruin. The frenzied spirit possession of the priests and the priestesses and the worshippers began to disappear. The false gods had been cast out of the temples, the land, civilization itself. This represented the greatest mass exorcism in world history. The false gods had been exiled. The possessing spirits had been cast out. No longer could they take possession of people as they had in earlier days. And it was because of the power of the gospel. There's an author, uh, I've been reading, uh, Jonathan Kahn. He says this. He says, no longer would the Germanic tribes gather in the forest to hang their victims on sacred trees as sacrifices to their god Odin. No longer would the Slavs offer up their prisoners and slaves as sacrifices to their god Perun. And no longer would the Aztecs tear out the beating hearts of their victims in honour of their sun god. Civilizations were exorcised. The gods lost their hold and the spirits departed. The phenomenon of a civilization set free from the gods and cleansed of the spirits was something new to world history. It had never before happened. The phenomenon was unique to Western civilization. It would radically alter the course of that civilization and then that of the world itself. That's the power of the gospel. That is the power of Jesus over evil. Our weapon against the evil one is the gospel. The gospel of Jesus' death and resurrection. And our strategy is to believe it, to speak it, and to pray that God will change lives through it. 
The gospel is the power of salvation. It is a greater power than the power of Satan himself. And Satan and his, Satan and his evil spirits, they know they're on borrowed time. Right? They are madly throwing punches as they fall to the canvas, defeated. And they are trying to cause as much devastation and destruction as they can before Judgment Day. They are doing it right now in Israel and Palestine. They are doing it right now in the Ukraine. They are doing it right now in Perth as they blind the eyes of unbelievers. But Jesus is going to deal with them as he dealt with the legion of demons. And he's not just going to throw them into the sea as he did with the pigs. He is going to cast them into the lake of fire for eternal punishment because Jesus hates evil. He hates what it does to people. Jesus is powerful and Jesus is good. Right? Jesus is powerful and Jesus is good. Will you be like the healed man and say, I will go with you, Jesus, wherever you go. I don't want to live a day without you. I know your power. I know your goodness. You are the Christ of God. I give my life to you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the power and the goodness of Jesus Christ. Seen in this event, absolute, unparalleled power over the evil one. Lord, we want to be like that healed man. We want to say, oh, we want to go with you wherever you go. We don't want to live a day without you. Where else have we to go? You've got the words of eternal life. Where else would we go, Lord? And so we just pray, Lord, that as we see Jesus' power, as we see his goodness, that we would bow the knee, we would serve our Lord, pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're coming to a time of the Lord's Supper. And that, that, that story we've looked at today is a mini rescue that points to the great rescue. It's a mini rescue that points to the great rescue. The great rescue over Satan when Jesus crushed the serpent's head at the cross. Satan has been defeated. Jesus brought to nothing the works of the devil. Jesus opened your eyes to see the truth of the gospel. And so we remember that. And more than remember, we again put our faith in the Lord Jesus for his salvation. So let us spend a moment coming before the Lord. Our Lord who is powerful, our Lord who is good. He's powerful so he can remove our sins from us. He's good. He chooses to remove our sins from us. Let us come before the Lord and confess our sins to him in the quietness of our own hearts. Father, we confess our sins to you. We thank you that you are powerful and you can remove every sin from us. We thank you that you are good. You chose to come and die for us. We trust in you. We thank you for your salvation. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. First few rows, please stand, come and take the cup, take the bread, hold on to them, we'll eat them together in a few moments. This is for those of us who call on Christ as our Lord. If that's not yet you, don't feel any pressure to take the cup and the, the bread. And if you do have any questions about faith, please come and see me afterwards.
Jesus is powerful. He has defeated the evil one and forgiven us all our sins. To do that, it meant giving up his life. But Jesus is good and he chose to do that for us. Let us drink and be thankful. Once again, Lord, we come before you. We pray that your power and your goodness would draw us to you. It would spur us on to live for you this week. Where else have we to go? You are the son of the most high God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we stand as we sing our final song together? You are the word at the beginning, one with God the Lord most high. Hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you our Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Didn't want heaven without us So Jesus, you brought heaven down My sin was great, your love was greater So what could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is what a wonderful name it is the name of jesus christ my king what a wonderful name it is nothing compares to this what a wonderful name it is the name of jesus what a wonderful name it is the name of Jesus. Death could not hold you, the thrill tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory. For you are raised to life again. You have no rival. You have no equal, now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of you have no rival. You have no rival. Yes, you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. For yours is the kingdom, 
Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a powerful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. If anyone would like any prayer, please come down the front. We'd love to pray with you. With anything that's on your heart, we'd love to pray for you. Let me finish with the words of Jesus. Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.